This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Sarah. And on today's journey, we talk with Kim Dynan. She's the author of The Yellow Envelope. But she's not only the author of The Yellow Envelope, she's also the author of Life on Fire. And she's a blogger. She also traveled the world. She basically did that because she just wasn't finding total happiness in what she was doing in her day-to-day life. And I think this interview with her was super enlightening and important for anybody who has the opportunity to do something like this. Not necessarily travel the world, but something along the lines of living your dreams and seeking out what you really want in life. Yeah, you were super excited to have her on as a podcast guest. Yeah, I read her book like a couple years ago, the Yellow Envelope book, which is her book about her journeys around the world. And it just really, that book really spoke to me. So I was so excited to speak with her. I just felt like I kind of, you know, already knew some stories about her life. And it was like, just speaking to this person I knew. It was really cool. (laughs) Yeah, you guys discussed her travels, how she got to making that decision of, you know, giving kind of everything up that she originally had, like her job, her house, and doing this travel, and then eventually getting to writing the story, The Yellow Envelope. And then you also talk more about her family a little bit. Yeah, and just kind of her outlook on life now and how it's different from where she was when she was working her nine to five and how it's really shaped shaped her life. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview because we really enjoyed interviewing her. And if you haven't read or even heard of The Yellow Envelope, this interview may likely have you picking it up. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we're joined by Kim Dynan, who is a traveler and an author, and she wrote the book The Yellow Envelope, but has also traveled all over the world and continues to blog and travel with her kid and husband. Kim, can you give us like a little background about your whole story? You were living in Oregon, working a nine to five job. Right. So that is how it begins. I was living in Oregon, working a nine to five job and really had, you know, a pretty great life. I had friends and fun things to do every weekend. And we owned a home and had, you know, no responsibilities really other than ourselves and our dogs. And, and really, I think from an outsider's perspective, I should have kind of been really, really happy with what I had. And to an extent I was, I mean, I was, I knew I had a good life. I was grateful for it, but it really felt like there was something that was missing, you know, and I had kind of followed a very traditional path, gone to college, graduated college, gotten a job, got another job. And the things that I had wanted to do, um, I never really found the time for because I was just kind of doing the next thing that I thought I was supposed to be doing. So you know, I'd always wanted to travel and I really hadn't traveled anywhere. Um, and so I just kind of couldn't lose this sense that there was something else out there for, for me to do. Um, and then of course, you know, the feeling just kept getting stronger and stronger until I really couldn't ignore it anymore. Um, and that was a terrifying thought because what I wanted to do was kind of indefinitely jump off the, ledge, you know, and, and see what would happen. I wanted to travel around the world and I wanted to give myself the time and space to figure out what I really wanted to do with my life. And I didn't really know if there was any other way to do that than to just really kind of throw it all up in the air and start over. So that's what I did. (laughs) Well, I, first of all, I convinced my husband that we should, you know, sell everything we own and we saved for years and years, and then we sold our house and we quit our jobs, and we kind of took off on this open-ended trip around the world. 
with the saving, um, mm -hmm. how, so how many years of a process and planning was this really? It was at least, it was about two to three years that we, I mean, we did nothing. We were the most boring people you will ever meet. We wouldn't go out with people. Um, we rarely went out to eat. I kept a Excel spreadsheet and literally like if my mom sent me $10 for my birthday, I put it in the, our savings account and I updated my Excel spreadsheet. I mean, I was, we were laser focused, especially me, because I never wanted something so bad in my life. Now it's funny because when I try to, I, I try to find the sort of same enthusiasm for some of the things that I want to save for now. And it's like, I, it's so hard because I didn't, I don't want it, you know, a, like a car or something as much as I wanted um, this, you know, to do this traveling. So yeah, it wasn't just, you know, it didn't just happen overnight. It took a lot of planning and a lot of saving and, you know, we got rid of, you know, we canceled our gym memberships and the things that we were spending money on that felt suddenly frivolous. And, and over time we saved up, you know, enough cash to go. Yeah. And, you know, right when you were saying that, like you were, you were talking about how you felt like you were, you were happy at your job. You sounded like you were feeling really content and just mm -hmm. kind of going through the motions. And I also just read your quote that you put on Instagram about like, in the last 10 years, I've learned so much. And something that really stuck out to me was that you've learned a lot about your privilege. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that just spoke to me so much because it's so true here in the United States, like a high percentage of us are really privileged. Mm -hmm. And then I think you ended it with like, if you're, if you're privileged enough to have choices, go and seek them. Mm -hmm. And your story just speaks to that so much. <laughs> right. I, I mean, there's nothing as eye-opening as, you know, travel to show you how extremely fortunate you are um, just by, you know, dumb luck that you happen to be born uh, in the United States to the parents that you were born to. And, and, you know, when I said that on Instagram, I didn't just mean the privilege of being you know, from the United States and traveling, but also the privilege that I see that I have over, you know, other people in the United States that don't have the same privilege for no good reason, except for that socially, you know, the way things have been. Um, Absolutely. So, so yes, <laughs> I, I have learned and I'm still learning a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I am in that same boat too. I totally, totally, that spoke to me a lot. Um, so you guys sold all your stuff and then you just, you know, you decided, didn't, you had a one-way ticket to South America. Is that right? Right. To Ecuador. Okay. And why did you choose Ecuador as your first stop? Um, because it was the cheapest one-way plane ticket that we could find out of the country. <laughs> so the thought was, well, we want to go everywhere. So it doesn't really matter where we begin. Um, so we found that ticket and then we just went from there. And so when you got there, I mean, what were, what were like your first reactions? Was this your first time ever going out of the country? And actually, was that your first time, you know, doing any backpacking and really rugged traveling? We went to Costa Rica on our honeymoon and then we, I had been to, um, Paris and Italy for a week or two. Um, so it wasn't my first time out of the country, but I'd never done any extended, you know, backpacking trip at all. And, you know, it's so different than a vacation because you don't have, you're not just returning to normal life after it's over. You know, there's, there's like suddenly, you know, I remember feeling like my entire identity had changed um, because I wasn't, you know, I know, I no longer was, you know, this girl who had this job and lived in Portland and owned these things. And it was like so much of my identity was just on display when I had my normal life. I mean, you could walk into my house and see the things that I cared about. You know, you could, it, people understood who I, they knew who, they knew who I, I was, you know, my friends, my coworkers that I didn't have to constantly um, explain myself to people. And suddenly it was like, no one knew who I was. No one um, knew anything about me at all. And I was constantly, you know, telling this 
same story over and over again of, of who I was. And it, on one hand, it was very liberating um, that, you know, I was just, I could be anyone, you know, I mean, really like any kind of preconceived notion that anyone had of me was suddenly gone because no, nobody, you know, besides my husband knew who I was, but it was also jarring um, to kind of constantly be starting over um, with every interaction. And, and I got used to that after a while. And, and I also, you know, after a while, I didn't feel like I had to explain myself anymore. But at the beginning, um, I definitely remember feeling that way. And, and it was uncomfortable, definitely. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, that's a huge part of traveling, getting comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> right. That's true. While you were traveling, it sounds like you had an intention of keeping your blog so many places. Did you did you have that before you went out on these travels 10 years ago? Yes. Um, so it wasn't 10 years ago that I traveled it. Oh, gosh, was it? <laughs> no, it was, we left in 2012. So it was actually almost 10 years ago. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, I started, I actually started the blog 10 years ago um, when I here was my thought at the time. I thought that I was the first person that had ever come up with the idea of selling everything I owned and, you know, traveling around the world because I'd never met anyone who had done that before. And it seemed so crazy. Um, and then when I Googled it, you know, the, all these other blogs came up and I thought, oh, I'm not the first person that ever thought of that. In fact, there's all these other people doing it. And they were, those blogs were so inspiring to me because they showed me that it could be done. So I started my own blog as a way to kind of keep myself on track. You know, I, I, if I could go to a place on the internet and write about what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it and how I was getting closer to doing it, um, I, you know, kept me motivated through these years of, of uh, feeling like, gosh, is this ever going to happen? Um, and then, you know, I also hoped that someday other people would read my blog that, you know, the next kind of person in my shoes who thought that they're the first person that ever thought about doing this would Google it, find my blog and see, okay, if she did it, then, you know, maybe I can do it too. Yeah. So, okay. So you did have, you had some intention of keeping the blog and then, but the book itself, did that happen kind of during your travels? Had you always wanted to write a book all your life? Well, I mean, yeah, I've always wanted to be a writer. You know, I always felt like I was a writer. Um, and, and, um, but I wasn't writing, which is essentially basically the only thing you have to do to be a writer. Um, and I, you know, I wrote a lot when I was younger and then, like I said, life kind of got in the way and I had a full-time job and blah, and it just, I didn't prioritize it anymore, but that was such an essential part of me that was missing. So the blog kind of gave that back to me. Um, as far as the book goes, I kind of always kept this quote in my head was that, which was that you can't sit down to write unless you first stand up to live. And I felt like I didn't have anything to write about um, because I hadn't done anything besides like, you know, things that were very common to a lot of people. So, you know, I felt like, well, maybe I'll go out and live this adventure and maybe I'll have something to write about. Um, but then when our friends gave us that this gift, which ended up, you know, becoming the title of the book, The Yellow Envelope, suddenly I thought, oh, this could be a story. Um, but it took many years of living it and then coming back to it to realize, okay, there's something here. There's a story worth telling. Yeah. And so they, yeah, they gave you this yellow envelope and it was, how much money was it again? It was a thousand dollars. Okay. And it's, it stated that you could use it on whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted. And your book kind of walks you through all of the decision-making and process and the thought process and the feelings that right. you have when you're giving that away. So um, can you just give us like one example of somewhere you gave money to in your story? And then we'll make the readers, make people just read the rest. <laughs> yeah. Well, Maybe I'll tell you an example of a time that I didn't give the money away, um, but wanted to, because that was, you know, I learned so much about um, giving through that experience and how uncomfortable it is. I mean, I think it stops a lot of us from these small daily um, kindnesses that we could provide people. Um, 
not just with money, I mean, in a lot of other ways, because it's awkward to ask someone if they need help or, um, you know, to chip in, um, in, in any kind of way, you know, just like, for example, today there was this, it was raining here and there was a guy on the side of the road whose car was stuck in the mud. And, um, you know, I'm like driving my kid to school and I'm like, I, I should have stopped, but I didn't stop for a lot of reasons. But, you know, one of them is just like the awkwardness of approaching a stranger to do something good. I mean, it, that's a small example. Um, what but I found you know, when that, you say that, I get that too. Yeah. Like the, it's cause your book is so much about the kindness of strangers. Well, you know, another thing that this experience taught me was not only a little bit about giving, but more so about receiving and how to graciously receive something, you know, how to just accept a kindness, um, because by accepting a kindness, you know, it's 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 another form of kindness to the person who is offering that kindness to you. Um, you know, like sometimes, you know, someone might offer you something and it's nice and you maybe even need it. I don't even know what, like, let's say, um, the rowing machine at the gym. Okay. Um, and you're like, oh no, no, you know, don't worry about it. It's okay. But you know, if you just said, oh, thank you so much, you know, I really appreciate that. You know, the person that offered it, you know, it really lights them up in a different way, you know? And I learned that I learned to be a better receiver as well as a giver, because, you know, at the end of the day, it was only a thousand dollars. You know, that's it's not a small chunk of money. And in some of the countries I visited, you know, that's an extreme amount of money. But um, still, it's you know, it's really about sort of the gesture behind the giving than it is about the amount of money that's being given. Yeah. Like your friends wanted you. They had no intention of what you were going to spend this money on. Right. But um, you guys chose to spend it on people who kind of needed it. Yeah. And actually what it kind of ended up being was a way to say thank you for people that helped us along the way. I mean, we weren't intending it to be that way. But, um, you know, as a traveler, you know, you find that you're constantly out of your element and there are always people coming to your aid in one form or another and really traveling just reinforce my belief that people are good. You know, people are amazing. And it just, it, people came out of the woodwork to help us, whether we were lost and needed to get somewhere, needed a place to stay or what, whatever it was. Um, and so, you know, the yellow envelope money kind of became a way to say like, you know, here, thank, thank you. Um, this is, you know, a little something that we want to use to say, to express our gratitude. Um, you know, as well as, of course, telling them if we could, because sometimes we couldn't even speak the language, um, you know, how grateful we were. So do you think had you not decided to sell all your stuff and just continue your job, do you feel like you'd still wouldn't be fulfilled today if you would have continued that life? And do you think like you're being grateful and showing gratitude towards people would be a little more challenging? I mean, I, I don't know. I think for sure what would have happened was that I would have always wondered what my life had could have, could have been like if I had, you know, done what I had dreamed of doing. I mean, would I be day to day? Would I be, you know, kicking myself? I don't know. But I think somewhere deep down um, it that nagging feeling that I had that sort of started me on this path to begin with would have always been there. And that was a very, that was a feeling that got more uncomfortable over time, you know. Um, you know, I'm really on the other side of this now because I'm like, you know, I was in my 20s when, late 20s, early 30s, when I was quit my job and traveling. I mean, I'm getting closer to 40 now. I have two kids. Like, my life is, is, um, is so very different than it was when I left to take this trip. Um, and yet I never... I feel so very comfortable about where it is. And I thank my lucky stars every day that I did that when I did it because I, it was a good time in my life to do it. And I got to move forward with no regrets. I mean, my husband and I say to ourselves every day, you know, it's the best decision we ever made. And in some ways it, it set us back a little bit. I mean, I guess like if you look at it strictly from like a keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing, which I don't like you know, I don't live my life that way anyway, but, um, but I mean, the experiences that we had that, that we, that we carry inside of us, I mean, it's, 
there. It's amazing. And just the way that I look at life now, um, the possibilities of life, you know, I kind of know that it's, it's like, we really can do what we want to do if we set our minds to it and, um, you know, focus on it. It's not going to happen right away, but it'll happen eventually, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. And it just kind of like ties back to like, just if you have opportunity to live your dream, go do it. And right. you guys like, totally did that. Yes. And I yes. remember reading too, like one quote that stood out to me in one of your blog posts, maybe from when, like many years ago, you wrote like, if you wait for all the stars to align and that six figure location job offer to come to you, you're going to be waiting forever. Plan, save and take the damn leap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I... I loved that quote. So the book, um, did it really, like, you were writing all along your travels, but did the actual, like, process of writing the actual Yellow Envelope book, was that something that you did more so when you were back? And were you just taking notes along your journey and blogging along your journey? Yeah, I was blogging. um, I was keeping a journal. And then um, I kind of sat down to work on the book. We were we were technically still traveling. I mean, we had rented a, an apartment in Mexico and we were like with the sole purpose of, okay, we're going to stay in one place. We're going to focus on, um, I wanted to focus on writing the book and, and we also decided we were going to try to see if we could have a baby. So, um, you know, we kind of, we, we sort of settled down in one place. I mean, we're still living out of our backpacks. Um, with the intent of, you know, kind of focusing on these new things that we And this wanted. was in Mexico. Yeah. So, yes. uh, and how long was that one for? We were there, well, ultimately, we were there for a little less than six months because I did get pregnant. And then um, the original plan had been like, oh, we'll just have the baby in Mexico. Um, but then, you know, I got, I was really sick and it was really hot and I just wanted just suddenly that did not sound like a good idea anymore. So uh, we left Mexico and went back to the States. And is that when you decided to come to North Carolina? Um, No. So we ended up back in Cincinnati, which is where both of us are originally from. Um, It was kind of like, you know, you talk about all the fears you have when you quit your job and everything. Obviously, one of our big fears was that you know, it would be hard to find another job. You know, how do you explain like a, at this point it was a three-year gap in a resume. Um, and now suddenly we were both unemployed and I was pregnant. We were living in Mexico and wanting to go back to the United States with no health care, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, Brian, my husband got a job, you know, hired over Skype and um, back in Cincinnati. Like we had already bought a ticket home to Cincinnati and then he he was hired in a way that like his job started like the Monday after we got home so it was it just worked out I still can't believe how it worked out so and Brian actually still has that job um but he convinced them to allow him to work remotely so then we could so we moved um to to Asheville North Carolina because we wanted you know to be in the mountains and I work remotely because I'm a freelance writer so there's a lot of places for mountains. What is there a specific reason for Asheville? I've been through there. It's beautiful, but there's so many beautiful mountain places. Right. Yes. Yeah, so the reason for Asheville was that we, you know, we had a daughter at this point and both of our families were in Ohio and we wanted to be able to, you know, we wanted her to know her grandparents, um, but we didn't necessarily want to stay in Cincinnati. And so Asheville was kind of like a good compromise. It's a six hour drive, um, but we still get, you know, the outdoor lifestyle that we wanted. So that's why we chose Asheville. Awesome. Yeah. I, we drove through it and I could, yeah, I could see why you would chose it. I mean, I'd spend days and days there if I could. Awesome. Beautiful. Back to this whole book thing. I mean, so you were kind of blogging along the way, but really, when you you specifically set out to write the book when you were in Mexico. Is that what I'm hearing? Right. Like I, I, you know, I wanted to tell the story of the yellow envelope. It felt like a way to not only tell a good travel story, but to honor the gift and the friends that gave it to us. And 
it is about giving, obviously, and it's about travel, but it's also about, it's kind of a coming of age story. You know, it's about my own personal journey. Um, and it's a lot of, it's about my marriage um, and the strains that, you know, traveling put on my marriage. So there's a lot of, there's a, there are many stories being told through the lens of, of the yellow envelope. Um, you know, I knew there was a lot to say, and I thought, that maybe I could make this book thing work. And really, I was like so naive about the publishing industry. Thank God, or else I never would have gone for it in the first place. And I mean, yeah, to say that you were so naive about it. But I mean, I think anyone doing anything for the first time, I mean, we're all kind of crafting and learning along our journeys, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I hope I'm always naive. It's when I, the, the things I'm most naive about are the things that I jump into, you know, head first. And you, you have to be you have to be it's the best way to be, I think, most of the time. <laughs> That's awesome. So did your I mean, you said this book, I mean, I read it this year and you, yeah, there were lots of like marriage struggles that you talked about with your husband. Did your husband ever have any concerns about you publishing a book about that was partially about your guys's marriage at all? Um, I mean, I don't want to say no, a hundred percent because I, I don't think it was easy for him. Um, but you know, of course, obviously he had, he had a say in it. He read um, every chapter as I wrote it, you know, and, and a lot of times I'd sit down and talk it all over with him because I wanted to make sure that what I was remembering was accurate. Um, and you know, the other thing is by the time I sat down to, well, here's the thing, the marriage thing wasn't in the first version of the book. So, um, when I sold the book, it wasn't, um, I sold the book on a proposal and it wasn't in the proposal at all or the sample chapters. I wasn't planning on writing about that. And it was only through the rewriting process that I added the entire part of my marriage because I thought, well, I can't really show how I've kind of evolved through this process unless I'm like telling this massive story that I'm ignoring. And by that point, you know, so far behind us that it, it wasn't like a fresh wound anymore. You know, it was it was something that we had struggled with and we had come out the other side of it. And it was a lot easier to kind of rehash it all at that point than it would have been if we were still kind of in the middle of it. And I was, you know, kind of going to share that story with the entire world. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's now kind of, it's history now it's in the past and it's just kind of a part of who you guys have become at this point, really. Right. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause even in the book you were, um, you separated from him in the travels for part of it. And like you went to India with one of your girlfriends for, for part of the journey. Right. Yeah. Yes. So we separated for a while and I um, went to India with actually two women that I had never met before, but they were also bloggers. Um, and we had kind of connected when we were writing about this, you know, our desires to go traveling and, um, one of them had suggested doing this thing called the rickshaw run in India, where you drive a like a three-wheeled uh, motorized rickshaw through India. And so for whatever reason, I agreed to do that. <laughs> um, and then so so, yeah, like I, I left him to go do that and um, and have this kind of adventure on my own, which was which was really wonderful and uh, an, an incredible adventure, really one thing that I think really stood out too in this book was like, you weren't living like this luxurious travel lifestyle when you were out there. I mean, you or you were living like the real rugged traveling lifestyle. You were staying in hostels and were you camping part of this? Um, yeah, we did. That part's not in the book, but yeah, we did. We actually spent a year camping um, around the U S Oh yeah. Where you guys were working for backpacker magazine. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but in your travels during this whole journey, were you? What's your most favorite spot you stayed and really got to know the culture and the people? I mean, that's probably a really hard question. Uh, it's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard. Um, I don't. I mean, it's there are so many places that I love for for many different reasons. I mean, Ecuador was an amazing country. The people were so warm. I mean, it's beautiful. India, of course, I, I absolutely loved because it was just so very different than what I was used to. And again, the people were so welcoming and open hearted. And, you know, I think 
that's sort of what it is more than anything else when you go to a place where people are, you know, genuinely curious and um, friendly and, you know, the experience is always about the people that you meet. Um, But yeah, I mean, there were, there's, there wasn't a single place we traveled that I thought to myself, oh, well, I'm not going to, you know, I never want to go back there. Um, They were all great for, for their own reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's like a totally loaded, hard question. I, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm yeah. Sure people, hard to choose. I'm sure people ask you that all the time too. <laughs> right. And I never have a good answer. <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing though. It just, it shows that you had an amazing experience and took something away from everywhere. And another reason for people to go read the book. <laughs> <laughs> so you also wrote another book life on fire. And that's more of like telling people, showing people how to pursue their dreams, correct? Yes, it is basically just like a roadmap for people that, like as cheesy as it sounds, want to live their dreams. Um, Because once I was traveling, you know, once I'd gotten through all of the fear and every single person and thing and self-doubt that told me that this was ridiculous and I shouldn't do it and I was ruining my life and Once I was on the other side of that, you know, I was like evangelical about, about having done it, you know, about like, I just wanted everyone to know, you know, if you can get through these things, you know, and I always say fear is not a red flag. You know, if you're being terrified of something doesn't mean that it's a bad thing to do. It just means, you know, that, you know, all the best things are scary. Keep going. So I just really felt fired up about this and wanted to kind of share kind of a step-by-step things that I encountered, um, you know, kind of going through this process of doing this thing that was so important to me, you know, from everything from the fear to the peop- to the naysayers, you know, because I had a lot of people trying to talk me out of it. When you say a lot of people, was it um, mostly like family and friends that were kind of talking you out of it, saying you're crazy, like don't give up what you have? Yes, essentially, yes. <laughs> everyone, especially my mother. She was like, she just begged me to take the money that we'd save to travel and to buy a bigger house with it. That's what she wanted me to do. And I get it. I mean, I, now that I have kids of my own, I'm like, oh, I understand why this was probably really scary for you. But yeah, I mean, there were a lot of people, friends included, you know, some, not all, but some of them that, you know, they didn't want to lose me. They didn't want to lose a friend. And I get that as well. Um, And do you feel like you lost any friends through this process? No, ultimately, no. Um, You know, there were just some some rough patches. It hurts your feelings when you're you really want to do something and you feel like you can't talk about it with certain people because, you know, they're maybe not 100 percent supportive. But, you know, all those were such little things, really, in the big scheme of of it. But at the time, they feel big. And, you know, I think it's enough to stop you if you're not totally sure of you know what you want to do yeah absolutely so after you guys came back from Mexico or wait was it were you back working for Backpacker Magazine was that before or after Mexico um so that that was before I know it's um so we were you know kind of traveling we were traveling you know around country to country backpacking and then we saw like this thing online that backpacker magazine was hiring like a road team to drive around the country and camp and um talk to people about backpacking and we were like uh we could do that that's our that's like our dream job there's no way we'll get it but we should apply so we were like in Budapest or something I remember and we were just like out on a walk and we set up our Like, this was, like, literally, we didn't have a cell phone, but we had, like, an actual camera. Remember those? And we, like, filmed a video on our camera um, to, like, apply for this job. And then we went back to wherever we were staying, and the internet was bad, and we barely get it uploaded. And we finally did, and we, like, sent it off and forgot about it. And um, And then they reached out to us, and so we interviewed for this job, and... And, we and got so at it. the time, at the time when you applied, were you guys, had you already decided that you wanted to be done traveling the world and you no. wanted to go back home? No, we didn't. 
no, we didn't want to be done at all. Um, we just thought that this was like a really awesome opportunity and, you know, there's no way that we'd ever get this job. So let's just go for it. Um, and yeah, we were like in Vietnam when we got the job and we had to, we had been planning on going, you know, somewhere after that Thailand or something. We And we still have never made it to Thailand because we had to get on a plane and go fly back, you know, to the States to start this job. And it was so fun. <laughs> I'm so glad we did it. And we got to see, you know, nearly every state in the continental United States. And, and it was awesome. We visited so many national parks and hiked who knows how many miles and and basically you were, you were, um, giving presentations on like backpacking 101, essentially. Yeah. We were talking about the 10 essentials of backpacking and, um, they gave us a car to drive and they paid us and gave us like a stipend. And, um, we just drove around and camped and gave these presentations about backpacking and met a lot of awesome people. And, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. But to be honest with you, you know, we only did it for one year and um, we didn't want to do it for another year because we wanted to keep traveling. You know, it was a I mean, it was wonderful, but, you know, we were in the car sometime. We drove 30,000 miles in like seven months or something like that. So you know, it was a lot of time in the car and it was, it, you know, it had its downside. So we, we just kind of wanted to be in one place that felt like a little chaotic after a while. And so that was why, that was when we went to Mexico. Okay. Which sounds, so you wanted to be in one place. So even though before that you were like backpacking all over the world, but I suppose it's different than you're in a car versus being out on foot. Right. And, I, and at the time, I think our thought was like, oh, we'll go to Mexico for a little while and then, you know, we'll kind of travel more slowly. I think our idea of traveling changed from like backpacking to, you know, more like living in certain places for longer periods of time. You know, we missed a lot of things. I mean, I missed having a pillow. I missed being able to like use an oven. I missed I missed having friends, you know, everyone we met it was just like a, you know, passing, you might, you meet people and connect with them. And then two days, you know, they'd be out of your life forever. And, 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 that, you know, it, felt, it started to feel really lonely after a while. So, you know, I wanted more of a community. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I can relate with that. Um, So you wrote the book, you wrote your life on fire, job with backpacker magazine sounds incredible. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And sustainability because you yeah, you had your whole sustainability job in Portland, correct? Right. Yes. So that was what I did before I before I left. Worked in sustainability for the Water Bureau and the city and, of Portland. Yeah. And like, do you ever see yourself going back into that field or is your heart set on being an author and freelance writer for the rest of your life now? I mean, I kind of feel like I am in that field in a different way. Um because like one of my freelance jobs is um, I'm the outdoor news editor for Blue Ridge Outdoors, which is like a regional outdoors magazine in the Southeast and Mid-Atlantic. And so like I cover environmental news. It's just kind of like a different slant on the same thing. So I'm, I'm still kind of in that game, um, but I'm writing about it versus, you know, sitting at my desk like you know, looking at spreadsheets of utility bills or whatever I was doing before. Sure, sure. It's, I mean, it's just kind of like the stars align and your path has led you to this. It's just like things just kind of fall into place when you, when you let them, when you open doors for opportunity, things right. fall in place. Yeah. You know, I, I, when it used to be when I was working before I, you know, my nine to five job, I, you know, would meet these coworkers and you'd get to talking about their your life and they would say, oh, well, in a different life I did yada, yada, yada. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to be the kind of person who's able to say in a different life I did yada, 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 because I'm just always going to, I'm going to work at this job for 30 years or whatever. You know, I I don't know. It, it felt sort of that, um, it felt like it was, yeah, it could just. I could just see, you know, how it was going to go for the next couple of decades. Um, 
And I really wanted to be the kind of person that could say, you know, in a former life, like I wanted to be someone that could reinvent myself when the, when it was necessary. Um, and I don't know how I got on this tangent. It was something that you said, but, um, when yeah. you open doors for opportunities. Right. Yeah. It's like that Steve Jobs quote about, you You know, you can only connect the dots by looking backwards. Um, and yeah, I can, I can see now, you know, from where I am, how everything kind of led to the next thing and how the things I was doing back then, you know, still play a part in my life today, but just in the kind of way that I wanted to, you know, doing things that I enjoy much more. Um, Absolutely. Where like you don't feel like your like your work is actual work. Like you're you're not living right. the daily grind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that some of it isn't a grind, you know, but it it's it's a choice. This was a choice I made to do this kind of work. You know, it was what I wanted to do, and it feels very authentic to me. I used to say, you know, that I felt like at my job, you know, like I had woken up and like gotten dressed in someone else's clothes like it just never fit me you know I was never I always felt like a fraud um I always felt like I didn't belong there and at certain point I realized like it was actually my job to get out of the way so that the person who did belong there could go be there and I could go to wherever it was that I belonged and I didn't know exactly where that was but I knew for sure it wasn't there yeah exactly oh what a motivation and I mean yeah Like with writing a book and being an author, of course, there's some reviews and criticism that's going to come. And I mean, I did read some reviews about your book and there are some people that just talk about how, you know, we're people are privileged women and we have so much opportunity and she gave it all up and she and, and it's just this personal development story. But I personally like really respect that outlook because like, I mean, you were going through the motions and sometimes it seems like people in those situations need to see other people's perspectives in order to kind of come back and be a little happier. And that's kind of what I've seen through reading your own blogs and just following your whole perspective on an outlook on life. Yeah. I mean, I don't read the reviews, so I actually have no idea what anyone thinks about the book unless they directly email me to tell me. And people have, no one has ever taken the time to email me to tell me that they hate me or hate the book, (laughs) even though I know that there are people that do. Um, But plenty of people have emailed me to tell me that they love the book or it mattered to them, um, that, you know, it changed the way they thought about certain things. And that's been very rewarding to me, of course. Um, Absolutely. I've given a couple of copies of it to people. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, whatever, you can't make everyone happy. You know, if I read some, if I read things like that, it, it, it will be devastating to me, you know, because I'm going to want to fix it somehow and I can't fix it. I just told my story. Um, and I told it as honestly as I could. And, you know, in the hope that the people that needed to read it would find it. And I think that they have, and I think that they continue to. I love that. Yeah. Um, so was adapting back to life in a house challenging and just kind of settling down again? Uh, yeah, yes, it was. Again, we just dove headfirst into it because we not only were coming back and having a house and Brian, you know, was going back to a nine to five job and then, but also like, you know, we, I was pregnant, we became parents, um, five months after we got back to the States. So, and then, you know, then everything's totally different anyway, but yeah, there was a huge period of adjustment, um, you know, where not only just coming back and not traveling anymore, but then becoming a parent and wondering, you know, I, you know, I think for a while I really felt like I lost my identity, whatever that was. And it took a long time to, to find it again and to feel really comfortable with it. Um, and I think I, I hung on to things for too long. Like for a while after our daughter was born, I was just like, Oh, this is just, you know, temporary. We'll, we'll start, we'll start traveling again. And, but that wasn't, that wasn't really what I wanted, but, um, but it was really hard for me to admit that that wasn't what I wanted anymore. So, so yeah, it took a while for sure. Well, then it looks like you went to, you went on the Camino de Santiago with your daughter. Yeah. So I'd walked um, the Camino in uh, um, 
2013, I think, alone. Um, you know, I really like taking long walks. So it was a wonderful experience for me for many reasons. Uh, and then after, you know, our daughter was born, um, she was two when I took her on the Camino. And I just, I don't know, I just wanted to take a long walk. And I couldn't leave her at home. So t- walking the Camino with her felt like a really um, doable thing. Uh, you know, much more so than like walking the Appalachian Trail or something, which you know, is a dream of mine that I haven't accomplished yet, but I couldn't, um, you know, I hadn't done that before. And so I couldn't really see, and I didn't, I guess, have the motivation to figure out how I could, you know, do that with her. Plus it's much longer than the Camino de Santiago. So anyway, yes, at the end of the day, um, I did take her, I pushed her in a stroller um, through Spain on the Camino. Um, Did she do well for most of the time? Yeah, she did awesome. She loved it. You know, she was just, she was a spoiled child because they don't think that they see a lot of kids, you know, in those small towns along the Camino. And so every shop, you know, we walked into, someone was giving her an ice cream or a sticker. And I'm like, don't get used to this. This isn't reality. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was fun. You know, she was, she was almost, she was two, almost three. And she loved all the animals and the donkeys and the horses and you know jumping in the puddles and the things that kids love she was just in a different country and and it was great because people were you know traveling with kids kind of opens you up to a whole other world you know people are so kind to you in a whole other way uh because you know you're you're a parent and you have your child with you so that's a great experience they open up to you more like they're maybe a little more like sympathy for traveling with a child perhaps at least that's what I've seen from people who see, who see like kids right yeah traveling it, yeah yeah yes and it's like a, it's like a universal you know it doesn't matter if you can't speak the same language you know if, if you're a mom and I'm a mom you know we kind of understand each other you know what every what we're going through we know you know you know you have this common thing which is your love for your child and so it, it's really levels the playing field I guess in that in that sense. Um, and people were, you know, even more open when I was with her than, than they were when I was, you know, traveling with my husband or traveling alone. Yeah. Yeah. I bet so. And yeah, just being with kids, you know, that, yeah, they have a whole other perspective on the world and just they're, um, very, they're naive themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was so fun to, see the world through her eyes, you know, and it's something now that I have have two kids now and, um, you know, we definitely plan on traveling with them someday. And it's funny because like I'd already walked to the Camino, you know, maybe I could have gone and done something that I, um, hadn't done before, but I have this urge now to like show them the places that I really loved the most, you know? And so I, I feel this urge to like go back to these favorite places and, and let them kind of have these experiences, which was surprising to me. I didn't know that I would feel that way, but. That's neat. Pass it on to the kids. That's beautiful. Is there anything else you want to add to your story or your journey? You know, I think just overall the message that, you know, if you're lucky enough to have choices to decide what to be and go be it. We're really lucky if we can do that. And uh, I think kind of we're responsible for, for kind of taking life by the horns if we can and running with it. So beautiful. So inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Where can people find you on social media? I am on Instagram. It's like essentially just pictures of my kids at this point, but um, at Kim Dynan one, the number one, and I have a website, kimdynan.com, or my blog, which is really has not been updated in a while, which is so many places. Um, you can find all my social media accounts linked from there. Awesome. Thank awesome. you so much. This has yeah. been awesome. Of course. Thank you. I love how Kim emphasized that if you have the opportunity for this, if you have the privilege to do things like this. I mean, I think it's so important to not just live in your daily grind, but rather seek your dreams and reach for what's important to you. I think that message is really powerful. 
Because the more people reach for the dreams, the happier people we're going to have on this planet. Yeah, and it's kind of like if we don't take advantage of that, then we're kind of being irresponsible with it. We should take advantage of the opportunities that we have. And again, her book was so inspiring too, because it's a reminder that the kindness of strangers happens more than you think it would. I've learned this through my own travels. I've learned this through just talking to random people. It's just the more people take down those walls among one another, the more connections we're going to have in this world too. Along those lines, I thought it was really interesting how she said that she learned more about accepting help from others. Well, and I think even like the whole accepting from others is something that we experienced on our road trip this summer when we met someone while hiking on the long trail. She invited us to her house um, after we were camping on the trail with her. And that was a total stranger inviting us into their home and us just trusting a stranger. And it was an amazing opportunity. So the more opportunities people can have like that, the stronger we're going to become as human beings. One thing she said, too, that was interesting to me, how showing gratitude and accepting from others is also a way of giving and how that lets the person that is offering something to you, whether it be a a service, an item, a gift, whatever it may be, how that, that makes them feel even better about what they're doing. And that builds them up. We kind of overlook that. And we take that for granted of just how, when we do accept something from somebody, how that could be a form of giving. Yeah, I think that's a really strong thing to note. So think about that next time somebody would like to help you. Go check out Kim's book, The Yellow Envelope. We'll have a link to it down in the description of the episode. We'll also have a link to her other book, Life on Fire. You can check out more of Kim at kimdinan.com and visit her blog to read more about her past travels. Also, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can go visit our page, hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast, and there's a little support us icon. We love creating these podcasts for you. There's a number of different ways you can support us, so if you do enjoy listening to these, it would mean a lot to us if you went there and showed us a little bit of support. And with that, thanks for listening. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.